turn to the book of Jude, right next to the next to the last book of the Bible, next to the book of the Revelation. The book of Jude, it's only one chapter, and we'll look at two verses today. The book of Jude, verses 22 and 23. Once you found it, let's all stand in reverence to the reading of God's word this morning. Jude, verses 22 and 23 say this. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. May God bless the reading of his word, and you may be seated. For several weeks now, I've known the very subject that the Lord would have me share today. But the hardest part of preparing for this message was coming up with a title. And I came up with this, when people act like fools. Have you ever seen anyone act like a fool? Better yet, have you ever acted like a fool? I'm not calling people fools today, but I'm saying you acted like it. I'm actually seeing somebody raise their hand in the service today and admit they acted like a fool. I tell you, it's hard to get, it Baptist, get Baptist to admit their faults sometimes. But we have all acted like fools. We, we have done crazy things that have made little sense when we look back. And, and sometimes we know right then and there it didn't make much sense. We just did it anyway. But I'm not talking today about things, foolish things like seven guys lined up at a Clemson game with their shirts off and body paint saying C-L-E-M-S-O-N. I'm not talking about people running down the road or, or, like, or, or like one boy did when I was in high school. He was running up and down the halls and, and chasing people while he was touching his tongue to his ear. I'm not talking about things like that today. Today what I want to talk about is when people do foolish things to the point where they break your heart. Today, it could be very well that someone in this room today has had somebody that's close to you, whether it is a brother or a sister, a child, a parent, somebody that is close to you today has done something foolish, and right now you are sitting in this pew at Hepzibah Baptist Church carrying that burden. That could very well be. What are you and I supposed to do when people do foolish things, the people that we love do foolish things? Right now, my dad is dealing with some people in his family that are doing foolish things. Now, my dad was raised old school, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. He was raised that if somebody in your life is doing foolish, you beat the life out of them. Anybody raised like that in this room would, would admit it? You don't put up with any junk, you just hit them. And, and my papa tried to instill that very thing in me. Somebody hits you, hit them back. Somebody steals something from you, steal back. He said, and I said, well, Papa, isn't that against the word of God? He said, no, Jesus will understand. And I thought, papa, I, I love my papa. He, he passed away several years ago, but his theology was a little off, I, I have to admit. A lot off, in fact. 
So what are we supposed to do biblically when people do things and, and, and it burdens us? Let's look here at the Word of God today. Are we going to sit back and accept it? Are we going to take that as well? They are living a life that breaks our heart. And we're just going to sit back and say, well, that's just the way it is. Or are we going to take biblical action? Here in the Word of God, Jude is actually dealing with false teachers. But I believe there are some things very applicable for us in situations such as the ones I have mentioned today. First of all, I want to look at a couple of things. Why do people act the way they act? And, and, and sometimes we have good reasons and good assumptions as to why people act the way they do. Sometimes we'll say, well, when God was dishing out common sense, some, uh, he, he missed some people. No, 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 no. We have all said that, I believe, at some point in time. But people act the way they do for a couple of reasons. First of all, here's the depth of it. They don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe somebody that you're close to today is living so far from God and living a life of sin. Maybe it's a drug issue or an alcohol issue. Maybe it's a pornography issue. The list is a mile long. I don't know what it is. But it could very well be today that they are acting the way they are because they don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We must understand and realize that people are born lost. Now, I know, and we've had some people here in our churches recently that have had babies. And when those babies are born, oh, they are the prettiest. I've even heard parents say, oh, that baby's perfect. How long does it take you to realize that baby's not so perfect? That baby shows his stubbornness probably by the end of that 24-hour period from the time he was born to the end of the day. It doesn't take us long to realize people are born lost. They are born hopeless. They are born depraved. They are born separated from God. And we can't sugarcoat that. It's reality. People even as religious as they can be, they are born lost, separated from God. But it could very well be today that the person that is upon your heart professes to be a Christian, but maybe outside the will of God. But let me say this one very thing. If you are here today and you say, I'm a child of God, I'm born again, I prayed the prayer, or, or, or whatever you want to, to claim today. If you are living a lifestyle that is outside the will of God, you better believe that because the Spirit of God indwells the born-again believer, you will have conviction in your life. God will hound you until you get right with Him. When I was running from the call of God upon my life as a teenage boy, for two straight years I was miserable. Why? Because I was a Christian. I knew God's will for my life, but here was the problem. I was running like the wind. I didn't want to face what God had for my life. And after two years of running, one day, I just threw my hands up and said, Lord, I cannot run anymore. Your will and your will alone. If you are engaged in something or the person 
that is upon your heart today is engaged in something that is outside the will of God, God will not leave you alone until you get right with Him. But not only did today I want to look at why people act the way they do, but I want to look at how we should treat them. Let's look here in the book of Jude, verse 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference. The first thing we need to do in, in, in ministering to these people is to have some compassion. It is easy to point the self-righteous finger and say, now, nah, you shouldn't do that. You know better. And, and, and strike that note time and time again. It's easy to do that. But the hard thing is to extend compassion and mercy because you and I could be in that very same situation. Do you agree with that today? Some of us have been there. We're on the other side now, and we know the grace of God. We know His mercy, and we know His forgiveness. So consider yourself, the Bible says, lest you be tempted, Galatians 6.1. What is compassion? Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines it as this, sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Let me repeat that. Sympathetic consciousness of others' distress, so you're aware of what somebody's going through, but then you love them enough to be patient and stick with them until you see God bring victory in that person's life. That is compassion. This is what Jesus did. Now I think if anyone on earth had the right to come along and strike one, knock somebody out for their sinfulness, I think it was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being God in human form could have easily come along and anyone strike one they could have been out but Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 talks about the ministry of Jesus and it says that Jesus looked on the multitudes and he had compassion it says seeing the people he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd you wonder why people act the way they do? They're born lost and they're sheep without a shepherd. People are going to act a certain way until they know the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. That's just the way that it is. But Jesus didn't look on them and get angry and say, Okay, yeah, that boy down there, he's acting like a fool, so okay, I'm going to teach him a lesson or two. Now, he always punishes sin, and I'll talk about that a little more in a minute. But Jesus' initial response was, here these people are wandering around, doing all kinds of crazy things, but because they're doing it because they're sheep without a shepherd. Two great instances in the Word of God that uh, display the compassion of Jesus. I've made reference to these before. John chapter 4 when Jesus was dealing with the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. If you don't know her story, she was a woman who had been married five different times. And at that point in her life, those five husbands were history, and she was living with a man at that point who was not her husband. 
Jesus comes along and he could have easily said, now you listen here, woman, you know better than that. Quit it. But he comes along with compassion and, and he addresses her situation. Now he never says, now honey, I know you're relationally dysfunctional. Now let me use a little, a little psychology on you, sweetie. He didn't do that. He said, okay, here's the story of your life. This is where you are, but this is where you need to be. And the only way you're going to get there is you are looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places, but today you are going to encounter living water, the living water of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll never be the same. And what happened? That lady took of the living water of the Lord Jesus Christ, she drank, and she went and spread a revival, started talking about what Jesus had done in her life. A beautiful beautiful story but a story of the compassion of the Lord Jesus he met her at a point of need but when Jesus encounters you you won't stay the same and if you are here today and you say you're a child of God but you're no different than you were the day you professed to know Christ something's seriously wrong John chapter 8 gives another beautiful story Jesus this time encounters an adulterous woman and the picture in this situation is all the religious, self-righteous people are gathered around this woman and they have their big stones. And they are ready to throw these stones and kill this woman and they're enjoying every minute of it. And Jesus, being sinless God, could have easily come along and said, Okay, hey, give me a stone I'm ready to jump in too. Let me hit her first. But he didn't do that. He began writing in the sand. And it could have been very well been that what he was writing in the sand was the sins of the people, those self-righteous religious ones that were there ready to cast their stones. And, and, and conviction came about one by one. Here he, Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone one by one they left dropped their stones but notice what he said to this woman he didn't, he didn't do that little psychological stuff that I was talking about a minute ago now sweetie you're okay no he said go and sin no more when Jesus compassion touches your life like I said he meets you at your point of need but it changes you forever. You know what it's like to have the peace that passes all understanding. You know what it is like to have joy unspeakable and full of glory when, the, when Jesus is the Lord of your life. Jude verse 22 says, Of some have compassion, making a difference. When you extend compassion to somebody, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in you because uh, when, when you do what God wants you to do, God blesses you for it. And internally you sense something in your spirit. But it makes a difference in the life of the one to whom you extend compassion. One translation says it makes a distinction. It makes a distinction from all the self-righteous who are going to stand in judgment and condemnation. 
It's amazing in churches today, we have forgotten what it's like to experience the grace of God personally. We forgot that one, at one time we were a vile sinner. We were headed for hell. We forgot our past. And we stand there pointing the self-righteous finger. It's so easy to do. It's one of the greatest tactics the devil uses. But when we choose to do things the way Jesus does, it makes a distinction. So how should we treat these people? Extend compassion, but then act with urgency. You know, the reality is, and I, let's look at verse 23, and I'll say a little more. Verse 23 says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Here is the problem in our 21st century church. We have taken such a relaxed approach to evangelism. We have forgotten that people are trapped in a fire. They are headed for hell without Christ. And we sit back and, oh, we have time. We have plenty of time. And sometimes we witness and we witness and finally we say, okay, I've done, I'm done. But God says others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. We need to do so in fear. Why? Because this could be the last opportunity. I have seen people walk in to church healthy as can be and then just a few days later I get a phone call and said this particular individual has passed away and the whole community in shock they came to church that Sunday not knowing that was their last opportunity to be pulled out of the fire we need to do so in fear because this could be the last opportunity. Maybe even for someone in this room, and, and I don't want to even think about that, but maybe for somebody in this very room, this may be your last opportunity. So we must do so in fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Let me ask you something. If you, if you decided this afternoon that you were going to drop your kids off or, or, or drop your spouse off at home right after church and you decided that okay I'm going to go pick up something to eat I'm going to leave my wife at home or leave my husband at home or leave my kids at home everything will be okay but you get back to the house and the house is consumed in fire and you know, you, you pull up and you hear screaming coming from the house. What are you going to do? Oh, Lord, please send a fire truck. No, we're going to, in urgency, we're going to call 911. We're going to go run, get a neighbor. We're going to go get a gallon of water. We're going to do something in desperation because we love the people trapped in the burning house. That is the picture that God has here. There are people that are burning, they're consumed, and if you and I don't make the 911 call, they may very well perish for an, an, an eternity in hell. I have family right now. Family 
for which I'm very concerned. Their, their lives are just totally ravaged by sin. And right now they think they're fine. They think they're perfectly fine the way they are. They've had some close calls. God has been merciful and he's extended opportunity after opportunity for them to get right. But I'm afraid one day, and I know one day there will be a final call. We must rescue people. Somehow we have fallen into this idea that hell's some big fairy tale. We hear the descriptions in the Word of God. It is a place of torment. It is a place of fire that is not quenched. Souls will spend eternity in hell when they choose to reject the free gift of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a place of eternal separation from God, and there are people there today wishing that someone had told them the truth. We must act with urgency, but my final point. Let's look at verse 23, the final part of the verse. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I have seen people in churches when they begin to name certain individuals who are, are, are trapped in a sinful lifestyle. <clears throat> they start mentioning the lifestyle that they're in and all of a sudden this look of hatred and judgment comes over their face and, and they begin to talk about this individual like they're some wretched horrible person notice here in the word of God that it says hating even the garment spotted by the flesh it doesn't say you hate the person spotted by the flesh I am so glad that somebody didn't look at me and say, oh, that wretched sinner. But I'm so glad that somebody looked at me and said, this is a boy who can be redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad that in 1987 that Carolyn Buck from Child Evangelism Fellowship answered the call of God upon her life to minister into that er in, in that area of ministry. And right after that chapel service, I went forward, and I don't know what came out of my mouth, but somehow she realized that I, I was coming to her, realizing my sin, and that I needed to be saved. I'm, gl I'm glad she didn't look at me and say, oh, look at that horrible boy, that filthy, wretched boy. No, she said, there is someone who can be cleansed by the blood of Christ. Maybe you're here today, and you have a horrible past. There are things that nobody knows about that you have done. I'm glad to tell you today, there is hope for you. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, there is hope, there is cleansing, and there is power in the blood of Jesus for you. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. When I was in college, I worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And there was a man who headed up our file section, and he, I mean, it was obvious, he was as lost as he could be. He, it was very clear 
that he did not have a relationship with Christ, didn't want it. In fact, here was the situation in his life. He was married to a Christian woman, and I remember many days there were, there were other women calling to talk to him. He was, he was having multiple affairs. But we had a lady in our, our file section. And, and this taught me early on how to treat somebody who is without Christ. He would pull up pornographic material right there uh, in front of God and everybody there in the file section. He had no thought about it. But this lady, oh, she... She had a love for his soul. And, and, and I remember one day I, I, I saw at his desk, he was gone that day, and there was a scripture posted. And I said to Barbara, the lady that worked in our section, I said, Barbara, has David gotten saved since I've been out last week? She said, no. But do you know what? I am going to continue to live like salt and light and I'm going to claim that man's salvation and I'm not going to give up until that man is saved and when I saw the love of Jesus Christ come forth from this precious sister in the Lord I thought this is how I need to be oh God help me to be like that she hated his lifestyle she said, she said it's clear what he's doing is an abomination to God but she loved him and claimed his salvation and she wasn't going to give up until he came to Christ one more story and I'll be through my wife doesn't know I'm telling this story it's not a, an embarrassing story so don't worry baby you know we men love our wives when we go clothes shopping with them amen and when we stand there for 30 minutes to an hour and we never say a word. And, and, and furthermore, we had, I know at least two small children with us at the time. I think my wife's knowing the story I'm about to tell. We were in Dublin, Georgia at the mall. <clears throat> and she was shopping and looking at all the clothes and I know it had to have been a good 30 to 45 minutes that she'd been there already. But I knew God was doing something with that little shopping event. There was a young boy about 16 or 17 years old. And, and it was very clear, and, and, I, and I, don't, I don't mean anything bad by this, but this, this young man, it was very clear by the way he was dressed and by the way that he carried himself. That, that something, uh, he had some feminine characteristics. Like I said, I, I don't mean to, to make fun of that or anything, but <clears throat> we began to, to get a picture that, that maybe he was em embracing a lifestyle that he shouldn't be embracing. And, and we went a long time, and my wife never said a word. And finally, as you know, they were looking at all the clothes, my wife said, well, you know, there are certain things I will not wear because I'm a Christian there, there, there is a level of modesty that I want to carry because I'm a Christian that's what God wants me to do and the young boy immediately 
piped up and said, you know I'm gay. And my wife said, I, I, I kind of gathered that. And he, he got a little defensive and he said, you know, you Christians, you hate us, don't you? She said, well, you know, I, I, I have to be clear with you. The Bible is clear about your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is sinful. But she said, I want you to understand this and I want it to be clear. Jesus loves you. He wants to save you. And I love you too. And, and, and you, you began to see the love of Jesus reach this young man's heart. You began to see God grasp this young man. He, he was at a point of confusion in his life. What, was it, what, he, what he was doing was wrong by all means, but he had to know, first of all, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. He had to realize that God saw him in his sin but wanted to deliver him. My wife said, I'll, I'll be praying for you. What an impact. That was an example of hating the sin but loving the sinner. Let me, let me just get right down to where we are today. Who's on your heart today? Who is it that you cry tears about at night? Where, how, how does your child stand with God, may I ask? I have three children and I pray for the day when they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ I don't want to know that any of my children would die and go to hell is it your child today, is it your son or is it your daughter could be that you're here today and it's your mom or your dad they are one breath away from hell could be your brother, your sister, it could be your grandchildren could be somebody you work with I don't know. But the question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to sit on our padded pews, enjoy the music, and enjoy the service, and walk out laughing and carrying on like nothing happened in this room today? Or are we going to do like saints of old did and come here and cry and weep until God saves our son, saves our daughter, saves our husband, saves our wife, saves whoever it is. I long for the day when our altars are full again of people just crying out to God and you being able to see puddles of tears on the altar. That is what I long for, church. Can it be? Yes, it can happen today. Psalm 126. Verses 5 and 6. They who go forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtly come again with rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Couldn't quote the verse in its entirety, but you go forth. You're faithful. You share the gospel. You pray. You cry out to God. One day, God is going to answer that prayer so here's how I want to direct the invitation today 
Number one, if there's somebody you love today who's headed for hell, my prayer that as soon as the music starts, you'll come down this aisle and cry out to God. But I want to target a second group of people. People who were once on fire for God. The saddest thing that I've done here recently is open church directories, and it's been every church I, I've, I've been in. Look back at people. I, my wife and I had a good friend in another church where we served. I mean, he was on fire for God. He was witnessing left and right. Today, he has not been in the church in probably eight or nine years. Am I going to sit back casually or I'm going to call that, am I going to call that man's name out until he gets back to where he needs to be with God? That is how I want to direct this invitation today. If somebody is on your heart, if somebody in your life is acting in a way that they shouldn't act, they're far from God, it's time to pray them home. Amen. Will you do it today? Will you do it? Would you stand? Musicians coming, heads bowed and eyes closed. It is not easy to preach a message like this. The devil doesn't want a message like this preached. Because the devil wants to paralyze the church from doing what God's called it to do. In fact, the devil doesn't want you to come and pray to this morning. He wants you to stay right where you are. I'm going to ask musicians if y'all would if you begin playing at this moment. Across the sanctuary, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you come? Would you pray for your son? Would you pray for your daughter? Would you pray? across this building are praying let me ask maybe it's you that's here today maybe you are the one who's a breath away from hell maybe you are the one that's been running from God and you're running and you're running and you're running out of breath 
I promise you today, if you would come down this aisle, you would find a church that would love you, a church that would help you become the woman or man God wants you to be. You have nothing to wait on. There's nothing to play around with. So as God's Spirit is moving here today, would you respond? Don't turn a deaf ear. Don't say, I'll have another service. Today is the day that God wants to meet you and change you forever. Father, in this moment, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, we are believing, Lord, for you to change a life today. God, for us not to sit back anymore and just accept the spiritual condition of people. But God, we're going to be active. We're going to be on our knees. We're going to cry out until you save or you restore. God, my heart is especially burdened today. God, for people who once proclaimed faith in Christ. And now, Lord, right now they're at home. Maybe they're, maybe they're bitter about something. God, right now they're, they're at a, a point in their life. They're just far from you. God, I am praying, Lord, for people to come home. Oh, Father, thank you. There's still work that the Spirit of God is doing in your heart today. I, I want to encourage you. Do business with Him before you leave here today. God... God wants you to respond right here and right now. So God, I just pray that all hearts are clear. And Lord, that no one will walk away from here today procrastinating, waiting. Oh God, thank you. Lord, we love you. for more of you and less of us. In Jesus' name, the people of God together said, Amen.